Hi there. I'm so glad you're here. I know you're busy and all, what with trying to figure out what the next step is going to be, but I was hoping you could come with me today, just for a little bit, and maybe we could uncover something sacred somewhere in the messy middle. Oh, my name's Barbara Moore, and I'm the in-between preacher. Hey there, and welcome back to episode 6 of the In-Between Preacher. I have been out for a while, and you may have noticed a gap in publishing. I want to tell you a story. I have been on a medical roller coaster ride recently that's been really, really interesting. I have an 8-year-old child that has some medical issues, and so we visit the Mayo Clinic every month or so, which is about an hour from our home. So it's kind of a fun trip, and so far it's not been anything too invasive for testing and all of that. So she's a trooper, and she handles things well. It is nonetheless uh, difficult. It is a challenge for us. And then recently, I decided I was going to take on my own medical challenges, So I think it was the end of September, I had to go in uh, for a routine checkup, routine maintenance as I call it, and decided that since I was there, I was going to go ahead and talk about some issues that I'd been having for a little while. I have some carpal tunnel, I may have mentioned this before, in my right wrist that makes it really difficult to write. And then I also have some hearing loss in my left ear. So They couldn't find anything wrong with my ear, so my regular doc referred me to an ENT doctor. And I went and had a full audiology test done. My muscles and eardrum was fine. There was nothing wrong with any of that, which concluded that the hearing loss is due to nerve damage. The pattern of nerve damage is what is concerning to the doctor. She started to freak out a little bit. She told me I shouldn't have waited so long. This could be so problematic because usually, but not always, this pattern of hearing loss is caused by a tumor embedded in your brain right behind the ear that presses on the nerve. Oh, um, okay. So she said, we need to do an MRI. We need to do a scan of your brain to see if we can see what we're looking for. Otherwise, if there's no tumor there, we need to look for other causes. And I said, well, what else could cause it? And so we talked and talked, and she pulled up my medical history because I had a hysterectomy last year. I've had other things going on and everything. So I said, I had a lot of blood testing done last year. Would it have come up and all of that? She said, no, these are specific things that they'd have to look for. They wouldn't just come up in a routine check, right? I said, okay. So she's looking through my medical history and all of a sudden she's like, you're anemic? And I said, well, not anymore. But yes, I was anemic for 18 years, iron deficient anemia. And that is ultimately why I had a hysterectomy last year, because of the continuing blood loss. And she said, oh, well, hopefully that's the problem then. I said, what? She said, oh, yes, they have found that iron deficient anemia can cause hearing loss. I was like, 
Are you kidding me? I never would have connected the two. She said, who would? And so I went home and I did some research on it. And sure enough, studies starting around 2016 show that people with iron deficiency anemia have some crazy percentage greater chance of experiencing hearing loss than people who don't have anemia. I was like, oh, interesting. So we had to wait two weeks for this MRI because we had to get permission from the insurance company to do it. Love insurance companies. Anyway, we did the MRI this past Friday. It came back normal. They called me later that evening. It was a nurse that called me, so I was encouraged to know that it was a nurse because I figured if it was something very serious, a doc would call me, not a nurse. And the nurse said, your brain is normal. And I just started to laugh. My first response was, you don't know me very well, do you? And then my next response was complete joy and elation. In that moment, when she said that to me, that they did not find the tumor, they did not find what they were looking for. The whole world changed in that single moment. Now, I've had experiences in the past that change my perspective and how I view things, but this one was probably one of the biggest. We were talking about taking a drill and drilling a hole in my skull and digging some of the tissue out of my brain. Now, granted, it was tissue that didn't really belong there, but tissue nonetheless through a hole that you drilled in my skull so that you can get it out of my brain yeah um that prospect was not thrilling to me and i'll be honest it was terrifying i was so afraid i began thinking about what would happen to my children if something happened to me I began thinking about all the things I hadn't done. I began thinking about all the things I complained about. I began thinking about all the fears that I have and how small they are in comparison to all of this. I started writing a will. I discussed with my ex-husband and my current partner custody of the children and how all that would go. It was terrifying. It was exhausting. I was so, so tired. And on Thursday evening, before my test Friday morning, I had one of my classes for my spiritual direction certification. It's one of my favorite classes ever with some of the most loving people I've ever known. And the burden that I was carrying was so heavy that I just couldn't carry it anymore. And I put it down for a few hours that evening and I was so relieved. And so then when I got that phone call that said, your brain is normal, I thought to myself, wow, now what do I do? I let fear pull up a chair and sit at my table. I don't know if you remember, but a few episodes back, I talked about letting fear pull up a chair and sit at the table. And it's such an easy thing for us to do as humans. We get so caught up in despair that it's almost a security blanket for us. And so as I entered into this space of contemplating fear and perspective, we met 
on Sunday afternoon, a couple of classmates and I for a small group activity that we have to do for a grade in class. And one of the things that my one of my classmates said to me was, what a difficult in-between place to be, that not knowing. And I thought, oh my gosh, I hadn't even considered. For two weeks, I sat in an in-between place of not knowing. And then for the eight to ten hours that it took to get the test results back, I sat in an in-between place of not knowing. And I thought, I hadn't even really considered that not knowing is an in-between place. How amazing was that realization? And then you put all that together with the fact that I let fear pull up a chair. Now what do I do? How do I deal with that? How do I get rid of that? And there were moments throughout that two weeks that I had to figure out what to do with it. I'll be honest, a lot of the time I just shoved it away and didn't look at it. I tried to stay busy. I tried to meditate a lot and sleep as much as I could. Sleeping was not as successful as I had hoped. I needed now to figure out what to do with this fear that I had let sit at my table in my in-between. So what I wanted to do was not what I ended up doing. What I ended up doing is I ended up sitting down and thanking my fear. I thanked fear for the purpose that they that he served in, in my life at my table, for the lessons that he taught me and the things that I learned in that in-between place. And then I sent him on his way. I said, you have to go now. So why do we find ourselves in these places, these in-between places of not knowing, these in-between places where fear is an invited guest, dare I say, a comforting companion? We find ourselves in these places to learn. This is all about learning. Guys, we're in a classroom. We're in this classroom together, this human experience in time and space. And what we learn in these moments is what we want and what we don't want. By being able to discern what we don't want, we can better grasp what we do want. The other thing that we learn is perspective. Because all the things in my life that I worry about, that I maybe complain about, I try not to complain. I'm sure I do it more than I think I do. But I work really hard at not complaining. I work really hard at finding solutions rather than talking about problems, right? And all those things, they're so small compared to the thought of this is my last day. I may not wake up tomorrow. And the truth is, friends, none of us may wake up tomorrow. This is a reality that we face every time we go to bed. Tomorrow may not come. We are not guaranteed anything in this life. We are not guaranteed a set of days or time or months or anything. We are not guaranteed emotions. We are not guaranteed experiences. We are not guaranteed any of it. And so the reality is, this might be my last moment. What am I going to do with that last moment in time and space in this body 
with this family, these friends, this place. So this perspective, it makes the sunrise so much more beautiful, so much brighter. The birds that are playing out in my yard, even as I speak, are miraculous and amazing to me. The interactions that they have, the way they communicate with each other, it is truly an amazing thing. Another reason that we find ourselves in these in-between places is so that we can learn how to relate to others. Because how many experiences do we have every day that other people experience as well? And how often do we stop and think, oh my gosh, I may have had that experience once or twice. I can so relate to, you know, being up all night with newborn babies and not being able to function during the day, losing, feeling like I'm losing my mind. I may be able to relate to being divorced and not knowing what direction to go from there. I may be able to relate to various different things now. I can relate to waiting to find out if I have a brain tumor. That's never happened to me before. But it's just one more way I'll be able to help somebody else. Another reason we find ourselves in these in-between places is so that we can use and practice the skills that we have for dealing with the in-between and possibly even dealing with the negative. I came across this quote this morning from Thich Nhat Hanh. There are many ways to calm a negative energy without suppressing or fighting it. You recognize it, you smile to it, and you invite something nicer to come up and replace it. You read some inspiring words, you listen to a piece of beautiful music, you go somewhere in nature, or you do some walking meditation. I thought, how appropriate to find that on this particular day when I was deciding what I was going to talk about in this episode and writing up an outline. One of the things that I find really, really, really interesting about this particular quote is to calm negative energy without suppressing it or fighting it. Isn't that amazing? To calm negative energy without suppressing it or fighting it. What does that mean? Well, that's what I was doing. That whole two weeks that I was waiting for this MRI, I was suppressing it. I was putting it down. But do you know that suppression is resistance? You're resisting it. You're trying to push it away. You're trying to keep it from entering your space. And the truth of the matter is, is it's already in your space. And the more you resist it and the more you push it away, the stronger it becomes in your space. Whoa, that is opposite of what I want. <laughs> Again, I'm learning about what I want and what I don't want in this space in between. Fighting it is another form of resistance. It's a more direct form of resistance, right? You are flat out saying, mm -mm, no. The problem with that is when you are fighting it, you are constantly thinking about it. It's constantly on your mind. And I don't know if you've ever heard where thought goes, energy flows, or your thoughts become things, or what you think about, you bring about. It's all the same principle. It's all the same teaching from many different teachers over many, many different decades, possibly even centuries, 
that the more you focus on a thing, the more you bring that thing into being. And so when you fight that negative, whatever it is, energy, experience, thought, whatever, you are actively bringing it into being. How interesting is that? Because that's exactly the opposite of what you're expressing you want by fighting it, right? So to calm negativity without suppressing or fighting it. See, it's really, really important to feel our feelings. Our feelings are our internal guidance system. They tell us where we are in relation to source energy, to our higher selves. All of us, all of us are part of divine energy. We are a spark of that collective source energy that creates worlds and that brings everything into being. We carry a piece of that inside of each and every one of us. And our feelings tell us whether or not we are in alignment with that energy. Okay, so when you're feeling crappy about something, it's because you're opposing your true self, your core, who you are, really and truly. When you feel good, when you feel joy, when you feel happiness, you are standing in alignment with who you really are. Happiness is a choice. It's not a destination. It's not something we get to at the end of a long, hard road. It's something that we choose right now in the middle of where we are, no matter what we are doing or what is happening. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to find joy in anything, in anything. So our feelings are our inner guidance system. They help us to know where we are in relationship to our true selves. And they are important, all of them. And pushing them away, resisting them, actively fighting them, only brings us further away from that true self, from our true knowing. So then the quote goes on to say, smile to it and honor it. Yes, because that feeling has a purpose and it's not going to go away until you acknowledge it, until you honor it, until you give it the attention it is requiring of you. That is why I looked at fear. I took my fear out and had a conversation with it. And then I said, I thank you so much for the gifts that you bring me. And now it's time for you to go. You have fulfilled your purpose in this situation. And I no longer need you. I am grateful. I love you. Goodbye. And that's how it works. And in that moment, there was this great relief. There was this great understanding that a weight was taken off of me because I wasn't resisting and I wasn't suppressing anymore. 
And then he says, invite something nicer to replace it. Wow. Let me say that again. Invite something nicer to replace it. So these are skills. These are active practices that we can use in our everyday lives to help us replace negative energy or to recalibrate that negative into a positive. And he talks about reading something inspirational or listening to beautiful music. How about if you sing, sing something that lifts you up and makes your soul happy? Or how about take a walk, go out into nature and just observe the miracles that are all around you on this beautiful planet of ours. Go someplace, do something that makes your heart happy. Because in that moment, what you are feeling brings you back into alignment with who you are at the core of who you are. You are source energy. You are love. And when you live your life from a place of love, everything changes. Everything. So what did I learn from this experience? Oh man, I learned how to love the contrast. I learned how to love the things that I do not want. Because in those things came the lesson of what I do want. The lesson of what I want to build. What do I want to do with my children instead of trying to figure out who's going to take care of them in my absence? What am I going to do with them in my presence? I learned to take stock of the little things and celebrate them and count them as what they are. Are they blessing? Are they not? Doesn't matter. They all have things to teach us. So in those things, in that moment, I can take joy. I can choose happiness even in the bad stuff. And those are some things that I do to help me recalibrate, to help me invite something nicer to take its place. I love to walk in nature. I love to meditate. I love to read inspirational quotes. I love to love on my children. I love to count my blessings. I saw a meme a couple weeks ago about in a world that wants us to count calories and count our money and you know, the numbers on the scale and the number in our bank account and the numbers of this, that, and the other, dare to count your blessings. What if those were the only numbers that mattered today? Your blessings. I'd like to invite you to go to my Facebook page, The In-Between Preacher, and leave me a message. Write a post. Tell me what you do on the in-betweens to replace the negative with something more loving, with something more positive. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for listening to my story. And may you see the world through the eyes of love, today and every day. Thanks for sharing a bit of your time with me today. And remember, no matter what you decide to do, I am so grateful for you. My name is Barbara Moore, and if you'd like to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. 
You can drop me a note at theinbetweenpreacher at gmail.com. You can reach me on my website, theinbetweenpreacher.com, or my Facebook page, The In Between Preacher. See you next time.